Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. Back to The Baldface Truth with John Kanzano on 750 The Game. Our next guest has his finger on the pulse of Colorado football. Like it or not, Brian Howell's all over it. Colorado Athletic Director Rick George uh, has fired Carl Durrell, the football coach. Brian Howell uh, had the initial report on it and subsequently the best coverage. Not surprised there, and he's joining us now. What's your life been like since Saturday? <laughs> not a lot of sleep. Um, you know, I... Uh, I anticipated it and uh prepared for it and with a late night in tucson i uh, changed my flight the last minute and instead of going back sunday afternoon flew out 6 a.m sunday morning and spent the rest of the day working on the uh Durrell firing story so it was a long day yesterday you and i had talked about this i think in the last two or three weeks that you know this this week this this game the arizona game if, if things didn't go right it could be enough as it approached um how certain were you, uh, you know, during the game as it's unfolding? Did you think, okay, this is it? Like, what were your thoughts as as that game on Saturday was unfolding and Arizona was beating Colorado pretty easily? Yeah, you know, there was a point in that third quarter where CU got within 33-20, and I thought, all right, maybe get a stop here. You can get back in this game. Maybe they win it. Uh, but just overall, I was, as it was unfolding, and Arizona kept pulling away a little bit, um, I thought, this has to be it. I mean, the, the, if, if they win that game, I think it's tough to let him go with a win. And so because of that, I think overall it's the, it was the best thing for CU to lose that game and lose it like they did just so they can move on. Uh, but it did certainly feel like that was the end for Carl uh, throughout that night. Ryan Howell with us, Boulder Daily Camera. He is the follow when it comes to Colorado football. Darrell is let go. Rick George, the athletic director, holds a media availability. Um, how did that go? What were your impressions of George uh, as he spoke about parting ways with Darrell? Yeah, you know, the impressions were that, you know, there's clearly, you know, some pressure on him to make a good hire this time around. But uh, there's also time, you know, and that's something he didn't have last time was, you know, it was such a weird timing with when Carl Darrell left uh, or when uh, Mel Tucker left. And Darrell was hired in mid-February, uh, and there was a 10-day window there, and the the candidate pool was much smaller at that point in time. Now he's got two months, and the candidate pool is as big as it can be. He's got two months to make this decision. He's got to get it right. And so that was kind of the impression from Rick was that he knows there's pressure and they've got to get it done. He owned it that he's the one that uh, hired Carl Darrell, and that uh, they've got to get somebody better this time around. Yeah, let's talk about that because often when you see a coaching change, there's a course correction. You know, Herm Edwards, NFL guy, you know, older guy at Arizona State. We uh, we expect Arizona State will go young recruiter, somebody who's been in the college game. What's the correction from Carl Durrell in Colorado's mind? Yeah, you know, Carl Durrell. One of the big criticisms of, of him, and, and one of my criticisms of him, was that. 
um, very low-key and not a high-energy guy publicly. Um, he's a guy that didn't sell the program. Uh, he was not interested in doing that. Um, he just wanted to coach football. And he's not a guy that was going to be at the basketball games and you know, getting students fired up and things like that. Um, and yesterday when Rick George talked, um, he was asked, do you have a profile of what you want? He said, well, not really, but as I said, I want somebody that's high energy, a strong motivator, and a very good leader. And the high energy stuck out to me because that was not Carl Jabrell. And so if you, <laughs> the course correction could be probably that high energy type of guy, that, that, that person that's going to generate excitement for the program which is what Carl Durrell didn't do. Yeah, and I, I look at that and I go, okay, you know, do you do you need to have previous head coaching experience or does a guy like Brian Lindgren at, at Oregon State, the offensive coordinator, does he even have a shot in a, in a thing like this? Or do you think it's going to be more like experienced sitting head coaches who have some proof of performance? Yeah, it's hard to know what, what Rick George is thinking on that, but for me, I think you need a head coach. I think – Colorado's been down long enough that I think you need to go with somebody that's proven that they can win as a head coach and they can do this job as a head coach. Um, I think, I just think that it's too, I mean, all, all hirings are risky, you know that, but I think it's too risky for CU to hire somebody that has never done it. And, and so for me, I think they have to get someone that's been a head coach. Is there a chance they reach into their past? Is there somebody who's been there before who has had some success that you would consider as a candidate, or uh, or do they go for a fresh face, somebody that uh, can elevate them immediately? Yeah, I, as a head coach, there's not, but um, you know, there's a couple guys that the one name that gets thrown around all the time is Eric Bieniemy, and the only name, the only reason his name gets attached to CU is because he's the all-time leading rusher and he's a bus legend. But um, you know, when I look at him, he has not been in the college game at all since he was fired as CU's offensive coordinator after the 2012 season, after what was a disastrous two-year run. Um, I don't think he's a good fit here, but, you know, CU talked to him the last time around, so we'll see. The other one that's interesting with CU ties is Ryan Walters, the uh, uh, defensive coordinator at Illinois. Uh, they're leading the country right now in scoring defense. He played safety for the Buffs. Um, you know, a couple decades ago, and is a rising star, not two decades ago, but it was a little while ago. Um, but he's a rising star in coaching, and he's a guy that, uh, you know, they can look at, but he's one that doesn't have head coaching experience. But that's a rising star in coaching that could fit that profile. Right now, you know, you'll see coaching changes, and you'll see some teams rally, some disintegrate. What happens to this Colorado team? Yeah, it's interesting because all along they've said how galvanized they are, how close they are as a team. And based on the older players that I've gotten to know over the last few years, you know, I think they're going to rally together. I think they'll bond through this. Um, I think that they like their coaches. Um, I think they like Carl as well, but um, I think this team bonds. Um, whether that shows up on the field, I don't know. But I think this team comes together a little bit over the last seven weeks and, and uh, does all they can to try to win. Yeah, we're talking again to Brian Howell, the Boulder Daily Camera, uh, Colorado coming off a loss against Arizona, 43-20. They don't play again until they host Cal. Uh, the bye week, it gives them maybe a chance to regroup and come together. Uh, I'm, I'm a little concerned about the lack of personnel, lack of talent, but what, what do you know about the interim coach and, 
and uh, and what happens next? Yeah, I mean, Mike Stanford obviously has been a, a longtime offensive coordinator with some mixed results. Um, he's been good at spots. He's been, uh, you know, not so good at spots. And, you know, I looked at his career when he first got hired here, and I didn't like some of the trends as far as quarterback numbers seem to go down a little bit uh, during his time there. But, you know, he, he is an offensive mind and, and a guy that, um, you know, he, he turned over OC duties as he got named interim yesterday. And so Clay Patterson will be the OC so that Mike can focus on being the head coach. And, um, you know, he's a guy that um, I think is, he's a high-energy guy, uh, kind of like Rick George said, uh, but he's a good leader. Um, I think he can kind of get this team rallied a little bit. And I think one interesting thing to watch is, you know, they also fired the defensive coordinator, Chris Wilson. So they've got two new coordinators for the rest of the season. I'll be interested to see how those units change with different um, leadership there. You know, now that you don't have the Carl Durrell influence on offense, what does that look like? Now that you don't have Chris Wilson's influence on defense, what does that look like? And is it dramatic changes? Is it enough changes to fix this? I don't know. It was interesting to me because I saw a piece that you wrote about Tad Boyle or uh, the Buff Zone had it, you know, and you guys were writing about the basketball coach at Colorado, and he made this comment that surprised me. He said that he didn't really know Carl Durrell. He never got to know him. Is that common at Colorado that the coaching staffs don't kind of cross over, they don't see each other, they don't support each other that way? You know, not really. Um, And, you know, and there was a comment in that story. I didn't write it. My colleague did, but you know, Tad said it's always kind of been that way with football coaches. But I remember he was uh, he was fairly close to Mike McIntyre when Mike was here. Uh, I just think that's Carl Durrell. I mean, um, I didn't get to know Carl. I didn't feel like I knew Carl that well at the time mm-hmm. that he left. And I've probably interviewed him 150 times in the time he was there. And I made a comment after last or last winter uh, to Rick George. I said, you know, I don't really know. If, I, I can't get a gauge yet on how Carl feels about me. And Rick jokingly said to me, I can't get a gauge on how he feels about me. So, mm. you know, I, I just think that's Carl, that he was just a, a low-key guy that went about his business, and he stuck to himself. Yeah, I felt that way on Media Day. I, I spoke with him on Media Day, and I thought, gosh, he's a really nice guy. But um, his energy is, is just not and, – and granted, I had been, you know, probably used to Mario Cristobal for three years or whatever, four years – and I, I just wasn't used to the lack of intensity. And I wondered, can a guy stand in front of his football team? And did, did he ever get fired up, or was that just kind of his personality in general? I had players uh, over the last couple of years tell me that um, he would get more fired up than we ever really saw um, publicly. Um, and you could hear it a little bit uh, at practice, but um, certainly not like you know your, your prototypical football coach. And you know, certainly not like we've seen from other people, um, probably more so in, like, those post-game talks. I'm not sure how much he did it during very practice, but I did have players tell me that there was more fire to him than what we typically see. But what we saw, and especially on game day, you don't see a whole lot. That was one of the big criticisms of fans is, um, you know, just they call him Stoneface Durrell because it looked like he never moved his face at all during games. And so... That was a huge criticism of fans. It, it wouldn't be a criticism if he was winning, but it was when you're losing. Yeah, it's interesting. Brian Howell, the Boulder Daily Camera. Uh, before I cut you loose, timeline. Do you expect that Colorado could make a hire sooner, later, or do they take their time like some programs tend to do even if they get a head start? 
I think they're going to take their time. And, uh, you know, Rick George mentioned, hey, just a word of warning, this is not going to happen anytime soon. Um, and he actually sent a letter out to fans that um, I get as well, and uh, it said he doesn't anticipate naming someone until after the season. And, you know, that season finale is November 26th against Utah. I would imagine that he's going to have somebody already picked out and ready to go, and maybe it's November 27th, but um, I wouldn't anticipate anything before that finale against Utah. Brian, keep us posted, man. Uh, Great follow on Twitter. Thank you for joining us. You bet. Anytime. All right, there's Brian Howell of the Boulder Daily Camera. If you want to follow him, at Brian Howell 33. Really good follow. Colorado football, he knows it inside and out. Coming up, our big splash. And at 4 o'clock, punch it audio. Plus, uh, I'm going to let it rip on the Pac-12 conference. We'll talk about the latest woes of the Timbers and Thorns organization. Very disappointed in them. All of that still ahead. You've got the home of the truth. Back to the bald-faced truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Punch and Audio is coming up right here on uh, the bald-faced truth radio show. Uh, This week, we've got some big Pac-12 games. We'll talk about them in the 4 o'clock hour as well. Uh, the five at five still ahead. Anna will join us. A lot of big discussion, but let's uh, let's go into the big splash. It's the one thing you need to know today. This is the one thing you absolutely need to know today. Look, look, look at it. Where down there must be the big splash. Well, you know, U.S. soccer investigation of the Timbers and the Thorns and the NWSL is out. The findings aren't great. In fact, they're downright disappointing when it comes to Merritt Paulson, Portland Timbers, Thorns. The findings included that Merritt Paulson knew of abusive behavior from former coach Paul Riley and that GM Galvin Wilkinson blamed one of the players for putting Riley in a bad position. Also, turns out the Thorns interfered with the investigation and president of business operations, Mike Golub, made an inappropriate comment to a former coach. All of this very disappointing. All of this making me wonder about all of the public support for the Portland Timbers and the Portland Thorns. Uh, Fans obviously determined to spotlight the front office's mishandling of some serious allegations, domestic violence, sex abuse, Demanding accountability. If you are a fan of the Timbers or Thorns, you have to be disappointed. Uh, also, you know, it comes out that the uh, owner of the Timbers and Thorns, Merritt Paulson, sold 15% of his company last year uh, to a uh, to a equity firm. If you are a Timbers and Thorns fan, you have to be very disappointing. Frankly, if you aren't a fan, you have to be disappointed in this organization. It's the one thing that you need to know. Uh, You don't get credit when you do good things if you're also doing bad things. You shouldn't. Uh, How how do we get past that as sports fans and media members and human beings? Disappointed with the Thorns, disappointed with the Timbers front office management organization. Uh, Really troubling stuff coming out of this report. Uh, I read it. It's lengthy. Uh, I'll, admittedly, I'm not a big-time soccer hunk. I 
am not that into what is even going on on the field. I try to. I cover it because it's part of my job. But, frankly, when this stuff happens, I just shake my head. And it has nothing to do with the fact that I have three daughters. It has to do with the fact that I am a human being. And I think we should all be disappointed with what's going on. I expect that there will be changes. Uh, I'm waiting to see what reaction the Timbers and Thorns have. But this isn't good stuff. Uh, guys, Pac-12 action over the weekend as we pivot into the 4 o'clock hour. Uh, what game, did anything surprise you guys? Because even though Oregon State didn't play well at Utah, didn't get great quarterback play, thought it, think it's really hard to win when you're throwing four interceptions a game. Even though they lost that game, I wasn't surprised by the outcome. The game that surprised me was the Friday night game. UCLA had a, had a great first half and beat Washington 40-32. to all kinds of points. I kind of feel like if Washington had just played a better first half, they they might win the game. But, man, UCLA kicked their ass in the first half of that game, and that surprised me. Yeah, that was what I was going to say. The surprising thing was how well UCLA played at the start of that game. You know, I, I picked UCLA to win the game, but I wasn't expecting them to come out and really put it on Washington like that. I thought Washington was going to come out ready to go and have that offense humming. But, yeah, I mean, if they played another quarter, another two quarters, Washington probably wins that game. So, I, you know, I still think Washington's a good team. That was my takeaway is that I think Washington's still good. They're just not quite there yet to be a Pac-12 contender. Maybe not this season. It might be next year with Kalen DeBoer, but that, that was my takeaway is that Washington, you know, they are good, but I don't know if they're quite up there at the upper line, echelon yet. Sean and Steven, do you think do you think UCLA is a contender? I, yeah. I am including them for now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I definitely think UCLA is a contender. I mean, we went into this season with a uh, they had the veteran quarterback Dorian Thompson Robinson. They have Chip Kelly, and this we got, went into the season thinking they were a contender. And then I think we overreacted a little bit to the first four or five weeks when they had really easy opponents and maybe didn't show up for all of those games. But they they showed who they really are on Friday. And I think we overrated Washington a little bit because Michigan State's not a good team at all, and Stanford's not a good team at all. So I still think they're a solid team, but UCLA is def they definitely open my eyes on Friday. I think it was you. I think you tweeted, John, that, you know, maybe South Alabama really is that good. And, you know, it turns I, out they are. Maybe they are. Maybe <laughs> they are that good because UCLA, I mean, you, you have to consider them a contender. You know, I don't think they're going to get to Vegas, but you at this point, to beat Washington, who, you know, has proven to be a really good team, I think you have to put them in the contender status, uh, you know, being undefeated in the Pac-12 as well. I think you, uh, you have to, we have to be cautious of the Friday night games. Uh, because I think they sometimes are outliers. Like, you know, a road team on a Friday night playing uh, in the Pac-12, historically those teams have not fared well. And and I think if you really don't want to get ahead of yourself, you look at this and you go, okay, maybe, maybe UCLA is good enough, but let's not go too far. Maybe, you know, maybe. I'm, I'm going to say maybe because I'm, I'm hesitant to – Go all the way. Am I being unfair? No, I don't think you're being unfair. Um, you know, because like you said, there are weird situations, right? Like, I think it was more it was more weird that Oregon beat Stanford by so many points than it would have been if it was close. Because just for some reason, Oregon plays close to Stanford. So I thought that was a little strange that Oregon beat them by so much. So I think you're right. You know, UCLA is coming into a very tough part of their schedule. Mm -hmm. Next, they're playing Utah. Then they're at Oregon. Um, so. I think it's really going to decide these next two weeks if they're contenders for sure. 
But for right now, I think you cautiously, optimistically put them in the contender status. Yeah, no, I think it, I, I think it's it's fair to not to pump the brakes a little bit on UCLA. They do have a very tough schedule coming up, like Stephen mentioned. But for me, last week I said USC versus Washington. I'm now taking Washington out of my championship game prediction and not putting UCLA in there. But I definitely think they're more of a contender to me. Yeah, I I, uh, I think with Washington, it, disappointing performance. Uh, you know, in the first half in particular, I just felt like. If they had been about seven points better in the first half on the defensive side of the ball, offensive side of the ball, it's a, it's a different outcome. But I still would have left that game with concerns about them. Uh, you know, they give up 40 to UCLA. UCLA looked terrific. And again, let's go back to this quarterback play in the Pac-12 conference. Like, you've got Dorian Thompson-Robinson. You have a fifth-year starter at quarterback. It's unheard of. It's never before happened. Huge advantage for Chip Kelly. They've got a puncher's chance to get into Vegas. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face hey, Sorry to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.